Welcome to Hypertalks Season 7. My name is Angela and I'm a part of the Data Analyst program. And my name is Liam and I'm part of the Digital Creative program. Awesome sauce. <laughs> Today we're going to chat with Kat and it's going to be amazing. Looking forward to hear about ethical design. Are you ready? Tune in. Let's go. Hello, welcome. Our first guest. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> so lovely to be here. Nice. Do you think you'd be able to tell us a little bit more about yourself? Just give us a brief introduction into like who you are and why you ended up here. So my name is Kat, uh, pronouns she, her, and I am from the US and I moved to Stockholm two years ago, which seems unbelievable to me. Uh, and I kind of came here by accident because I had originally wanted to move to either New York or San Francisco and I was living in Austin, Texas at the mm -hmm. time. I was like, I want to go to a big city. And I applied to a job at my current company, Spotify, thinking that it was for New York City. And I did like two interviews thinking it was for New York City. And they were like, yeah, we're going to schedule an on-site interview before COVID. Um, we're going to schedule an on-site interview in Sweden. And I was like, why would they do that? <laughs> Sweden. <laughs> and then I realized the role was in Stockholm. And so I ended up here. Um, and I have loved it ever since. Like, I, I feel like I'm the kind of person where I move around quite a bit. But ever since I got here, I was like, this is a cool place to be. Um, and yeah, and I'm a designer there. And I have been having a blast in Stockholm. I have a dog now. So if you ever see an Asian American gal with a husky in Stockholm, oh, that, that would you. be me. Oh, <laughs> He's a bit of a bread thief. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> that's how I got here. Okay, cool. But uh, funny, I would must say that you chose Stockholm, like the big city you said. Like, I, okay, yeah. I mean, compared to New York and San Francisco, it's like a little me. But okay, we're happy that you're here. I, I think I, I realized like this. This is much more my pace. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. It's great. <laughs> Would you say that this is a place that you think you'd probably live for a longer period of time? I could see myself here for a while. Um, and, you know, as a fellow expat too. Yeah, uh, yeah it's just it's super nice. <laughs> Your super interest, I might say, is uh, ethical design. Uh, how did your yeah. path lead you there, kind of? So when I was in university, I actually came in studying a completely different track. I was in like the pre-law track and I was studying public policy and ethics. And uh, it was halfway through that I switched to design. And I love both. And I think both are super fascinating. Um, and I think in some ways I was always craving that other aspect of like the, the more nitty gritty policy stuff as well. Um, but Fast forward, I went into the tech world, was working at IBM in DC. And it was around that time that I was working there that I started realizing like just the problems in tech. And I think for me, when I went into the tech industry as a designer, I kind of had like the, the whole rosy, rose tinted glasses. Um, and I always imagine that episode of like uh, Silicon Valley, the first episode where they're all like, tech's going to save the world and revolutionize everything. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, it's so cheesy. And I, I think I kind of internalized that thinking in school um, and then to go out and start working. And that was right around the time when Facebook and Uber were all getting into trouble. And I was like, oh my God, like, you know, things are not all as amazing as, you know, we've been told in school and stuff. Um, 
And there's some serious problems and, you know, there's a lot of power in tech where we can make products that really do help people, but then we can also make products that, um, can destroy democracy <laughs> in my country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that was very eye opening for me. And it was very frustrating because I think around that time too, we were hearing a lot about people saying, Oh, this is why we need ethics. This is why we need ethics. And a lot of it seemed just like lip service, just talking to say stuff. Um, and what I was wondering was, what does that actually mean or look like? What does it mean to, to practice ethics, um, in this, in the, uh, company or within a product team? And so I started thinking about it from the designer's perspective of, you know, what do designers do? What's our process? Where can we kind of, uh, construct moments to really reflect on this stuff. Um, cause I feel like we, you know, as designers, we work really fast and we work really iteratively. Um, and it's oftentimes just focused on, you know, our users and, and how can we get them to have a, a wonderful experience? Um, but sometimes, you know, we, we take it a bit far and we think about growth too much and we think about other aspects that like feed into the bottom line. Um, and it can come with other consequences that are, are not so great. So that was kind of my story of how I, I got to that point of frustration. And one of my mentors at the time in DC was like, cause we were talking about this every week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was like, you know what? <clears throat> Do something about it. Yeah. And so I started uh, design ethically, which is just a little project that includes like a framework for rethinking the design process. Um, and then also, uh, an accompanying toolkit with some exercises, um, that you can use in your team or on your own time. Um, and so that's how it all came to be. Wow. Yeah. I think it's really interesting that you mentioned growth as well, because mm-hmm. we've, or in my class, I've recently done a growth module. Okay. Yeah. I kind of felt what you were talking mm-hmm. about, you know, you, you start to lose the track of like, there's real people behind this. It's more just about right. numbers and how we can keep people involved in the system mm-hmm. and just make them spend more time on something, even exactly. though it might not, uh, not necessarily be the best for mm-hmm. them. Exactly. Um, and it's just that, you know, is it sustainable for people? And like, I think when you go to co- a lot of companies, like their whole revenue model is based off of like, how much time can we get people's eyeballs to be on the screen? Mm-hmm. Um, we're starting to see a bit more of a, a pushback from that. So like Apple products are starting to have the, the screen time. Oh um, uh, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. True. Mm-hmm. So there's been some little interventions here and there, but like fundamentally, you know, a lot of these big products, uh, they base their, their growth off of, you know, how much engagement are you having on the platform? Um, and if you just completely just, drill down and design only for that, you can, as you were saying, miss out on the bigger picture of like, these are people, these are people with families, these are people with partners and yada, 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 um, who don't need to be addicted to their phones or to their laptops. Yeah. Yeah. That's the scare part. I mean, the addiction that that these screens actually do, but yeah, it is what it is, I guess Mm -hmm. right now. (laughs) But it feels like as well, like the, the age of people who are using these screens and these iPads and stuff as well is getting younger and younger. Mm. And it feels like if we don't think of a way to like, in, like put ethics into design and right. into the digital industry, then we're just going to live through the screen, you know, in the next generation and not going to be able to see what is outside of that. It feels exactly. Like. Yeah. Then we're not going to be able to like sit like this and talk and look into right? someone's eyes. I mean, all this, I mean, body yeah. language then, like yeah. how does one do, how do we get close to each other? How do you read body language yeah. in the metaverse? Yeah. Like, yeah. How, how do you do that? Yeah. I mean, it's like, have you thought about this? Yeah. <laughs> <That's weird. laughs> 
Um, but would you say that there's like a specific way that people could incorporate ethics into the design, like with your mm. uh, method or is there a way that content creators could use it? More? Yeah, I think one of the things just fundamentally is just reading and learning more. Um, and that's just like a very general, uh, general step, but like learning more about the people that you're designing for and the people that you aren't designing for as well. Um, like there's a lot of exclusion within tech products um, of, you know, who can access these products, who can pay for these things or who can't pay for these things or like who has to use the, the free versions. Um, and then, Get, you know, get bombarded with ads and whatnot. So thinking about that and thinking about just the disparities in our world and the, the inequalities that are existing right now um, and how you can design around that, how you can um, cater to those those power asymmetries and, and fix them if, and if you can. Um, that's a good step. And there's a lot of different toolkits out there um, that exist right now around like either ethics for design or ethics for data scientists or ethics for user researchers and stuff. And so there's so much content that you can kind of explore. Um, and, you know, I know there's a lot of uh, material around when you're doing user research, how do you do it in an ethical way, right? How do you do it in a participatory way? Um, that's not just extracting information from people and then um, and that being a very exploitative kind of interaction. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of stuff out there and there's a, a lot of good literature as well to read about um, just how, how the world works and how art tech industry itself is just so growth fueled. Um, and that can trickle down into a lot of different design decisions or business decisions. Um, so yeah, that's a good starting point. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, who do you think uh, has the, like the full or like this responsibility, uh, to design ethically? I think we all do. Yeah. I think we all do. Uh, I think it's not just designers too. It's also mm. product managers and data scientists and user researchers and engineers. Um, uh, I think there's, you know, a moment where in companies we can all kind of assert our voice and, and say, Hey, maybe this is not the right thing to do, or maybe we can look at it in this way. Um, and to kind of, you know, bring those opinions up to light. Um, and, you know, it's, it's tricky because in tech, you know, some, especially in bigger companies, it can be very siloed. Mm -hmm. And I remember in my last company, it was so big where like, we didn't even have like a forum for people to talk openly mm -hmm. about this kind of stuff, but to do as much as you can, whether it's those little Slack conversations or talking with people in your fellow employee resource group mm -hmm. or whatnot, um, and having those, those moments where you can kind of share and, and be allies with each other and say, Hey, this is probably something that we want to veer away from. Um, and maybe we can focus our energy on this. Uh, and so that's, that's a, a little step that, um, uh, can, can together collectively mm. go a long way. So, yeah. But have you, I mean, considering your journey with this ethical design, I, I'm just like imagining you working at a company and mm. then you have your super bright idea and you present it. Mm. Have you like received a lot of like comments like, Oh, what's this? I mean, in the beginning, or have you been like, Oh yeah, great, great idea. Let's let's do this. Or how how is your yeah. experience? I mean, maybe both. Or what would yeah, you say? Yeah. So I feel like when it comes to you know talking about design ethically or you know similar projects and stuff, I, I want to say the general response is always really positive. I feel like mm -hmm. most people are really open to that and they care about it. And yeah. you know, it's I've rarely encountered anyone who's like, "That's a waste of time." Mm -hmm. I think most people are like, "Yeah, it's good to." 
to design and build ethical products. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what I realized is most people do care, but a lot of us are in the system that makes it very hard to like create huge change or like revolutionary change overnight. Um, because it's like, we do care, but we also have a deadline and we also have our job, you know, review coming up. And we also have these things like stacked up against us. Um, which is why like the, the unionization efforts and the, the collective action efforts that you've seen in a lot of American tech companies, as well as, you know, British tech companies, mm-hmm. super cool. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of hope to see that growing. Um, because I think that just shows that like if you work together, then you can, you can start to chip away at some of the, the more destructive um, forces and within a company or within the industry. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And also like, I'm thinking like, Because and and in a company they can like think like we have always done like this maybe yeah. so it's like no but let's do this but it makes me very happy to hear yeah. that everyone is like I mean a lot of people is reacting yeah. in a positive way about this and I think in like in tech it's like that idea of like the idea that of saying like we've always done it this yeah. way is just like the kiss of death for like any oh, tech yeah. company right <laughs> yeah. it's like yeah. but I think it's really interesting as well like you said it all starts with a conversation mm-hmm. and having those conversations, these teacher methods, the toolkits that we can use, that is at least the first step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. And like you say, there's always going to be pushback against that from people right. who don't necessarily understand why it's important when they use growth as a key metric. Right. Um, but yeah, it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. And I was just thinking like what you think the main risks are if people don't take like ethical design into consideration. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's so many and like, you just see the kind of uh, like, for example, in, in the U S there's, we have a lot of problems when it comes to, when it comes to like racial inequality um, and also class inequality. And uh, oftentimes, you know, you see predatory tech products that spin up um, like Clearview AI, which mm. is, you know, creating a product to, to basically identify faces from this you know huge database so they can use facial recognition to it, to find faces. And then they work with, you know, police forces, which is really, really harmful um, because there's already a lot of inherent biases within those data sets that they're using and within like the the prerogatives of what the police are trying to do there um, that harm black and brown communities. So that's an example. I know Facebook or Meta has gotten into a lot of trouble in the past for uh, allowing their their advertising to be micro-targeted towards different communities. Um, and that has spun into political crises uh in the states in the uk um in a bunch of other countries and so there's there's a lot of stuff and even like products like instagram or tiktok feeding into body dysmorphia for women uh and men as well um and so there's so much that can go wrong um and it's just it's a matter of i think really being conscientious and and open and and learning more about people that maybe are not like yourself or not you know different from us um and realizing that we have to have a very nurturing compassionate kind of attitude in tech um and rather than you know just making a product because it'll make us money um thinking about how can this actually how will this impact someone will it hurt a community um and are we profiting off of someone's pain off of their incarceration off of their whatever it is or their insecurities and stuff um and how do we avoid doing that i think it's really interesting that you bring up ai as well yeah because this is like Mm. this it's like not super new but it's there but it's like this new world of what's right what's wrong is it morally okay yeah i think i mean it's scary but also super interesting so you know it's like Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to think. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I guess it's the future. I mean, we just yeah. have to learn 
and to remember that the humans has to be behind the data at every time. I mean, exactly. otherwise yeah. it's going to be messy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think it's really like, it's easy for AI to become biased as well uh, yeah. Yeah. based on the teams who work mm-hmm. on it. The teams who work on it, yeah. the data sets they're using, the data sets that they're not using, yeah. you know, um, and just the overall goal of whatever product they're making. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And like, there's, it's super interesting too, because a lot of the, AI scene today, like some of the products that you hear about are actually not using AI. They're actually like, it's like faux automation. Like they're using actual people, but they're labeling it as AI. And I think of like uh, Amazon's Mechanical Turk project where they're mm. basically using a bunch of different workers to, to kind of work behind the scenes of this thing that they label as AI or whatever. And that also has implications when it comes to like, how, how are they treating workers and employees and contractors and um, who gets labeled as what and who gets what benefits. And there's a whole system behind it that is really fascinating, kind of terrifying. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A little bit of both. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> really ripe for conversations yeah. around yeah. ethics. Uh, what about the future then? Do you think uh, like... Um, that ethical design might be part of like school programs, like for maybe here at Hyper. I mean, we have, of course, mm. talks about ethical mm. stuff That's and amazing. data, uh, but I mean, like more and more, like in like everyday school, kind of like. What so do you think? I have seen it cropping up um, in a bunch of universities in the states, and I know I know my alma mater. Um, they are having like ethics courses integrated into their engineering program. Mm -hmm. Um, And a bunch of schools are doing like design classes that have ethical components. Um, So I think that's super cool. I'm actually in a master's program that's around AI ethics right now. Mm -hmm. And so these programs are coming up. Um, I I do think, you know, I I hope to see more of it as just like ethics is embedded within like these departments um, rather than maybe just a complete separate ethics like division or department, um, it being like, hey, here's this data science course that you're taking, and we're also going to teach you the ethical part aside, like as long as well with the along with the um, technical aspects mm. as well. So, like having that be a very holistic thing because it's really hard. I feel like, you know, if you think about designing something as a uh, as a UX designer, like how do you not think about the ethical part of it, right? Yeah. Like, because we're we're dealing with people, our, our, we're dealing with users, we're dealing with humans, like, we're, you know, societies, like, how can we not talk about that in class? So I think that's what I, I want to see. And it's starting to happen right now. So. Yeah. It feels like you, like when you've done UX or you're working as a UX designer, it feels like you should design in a way that makes it more easy for the user. Yeah. But it almost feels like in like today's age they want you to do it in the opposite way they want you to fool people and they want you to keep mm-hmm. them like you yes. said keep them engaged Dark on the screens exactly. yes manipulative design oh my gosh it's mm. so bad and like right now so in the eu they're they're working on the digital services act and they're starting to look at you know these deceptive design patterns mm-hmm. that I think are just, it's just horrible. Yeah. It's hor- it doesn't help anyone except for the company. Mm. And it's like, you know, we get some people like, you know, you have been learned, have been learning this stuff in school, right? You know, there's that whole link to like behavioral marketing and, and, and consumer psychology. Like how can we get people to like stay in the grocery store longer? Or how can we get people to like use this app longer and make it super hard for them to unsubscribe? And it's just like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> it's come always on. like that when you should supposed to unsubscribe. It's like, 
slides and slides and pages oh, and pages and the smallest little dotted line i'm like mm. click here what does it say I'm and like, the worst part is when they're like oh actually you have to call someone yeah and you have to be on hold for an no. hour <laughs> there's no one there like <laughs> make it stop yeah oh, okay man. we all, have all been fooled them it seems yeah. like <laughs> it just reminds me of the worst thing is like you don't unsubscribe unsubscribe to like an email mm. list because mm. it's impossible to find where to unsubscribe yeah. yes yeah. or it's always yeah. just like hidden at the bottom and it's not underlined you don't nope. realize it's like clickable nope. but yeah, yeah. Nope. somehow you gotta work your way through it and find out how <laughs> yeah. um but yeah what would you say like your main channels are to like spread the word about ethical design i know that you've been here and you gave me a lecture and it was fantastic Thank you. i think you were beating yourself yeah, but honestly like that was so beneficial for us because like you say why wouldn't you think about it why wouldn't you think yeah. about like how can we make this person's life better how can we make this more accessible for everyone yeah because we're all people at the end of the day mm -hmm. and like we're all trying to accomplish the same thing in the yeah. end yeah, so I think a lot of it is just within classes. It's also, you know, conversations at work um, and at school for me um, and just talking with people, like your friends and your family too, right? Like, you know, as us, if you're really immersed in tech, you probably know about like deceptive design patterns, but maybe your grandma doesn't know. Maybe your mom doesn't know and talking about it with them, um, getting involved uh, with local, you know, community organizing, if that's a channel as well. Um so for me, I think uh, th those have been my main avenues. Um, also on Twitter or whatnot, sharing news about things that are happening and updates and developments that are happening within like tech regulation. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of different channels out there. Yeah. Mm. Have you found that like Spotify have taken it on well and do they let you, do they give you the opportunity in there to like have talks for the staff and maybe the designers there and try and like raise some awareness within the company. Yeah. So the there's a huge like um, design uh, ethics kind of community there. And, and we call it like the building for equity um, guild, I guess. And so it's been really cool. It started by a colleague in the U S and so th I think there's been open forums to definitely have these conversations. Um, and a lot of companies have those spaces. So especially if you, you know, go to startups or you go to, you know, companies that are growing and stuff like finding those avenues to, to have those conversations, or even if they don't have them, starting them is a great way to kind of get the ball rolling. So, yeah. And what about the, um, the consequences of uh, unethical design what do you think about that? What are the yeah. consequences? So I think, you know, I mean, this kind of stuff hurts all of us. Mm. Um, it definitely hurts, all, you know, specifically vulnerable communities as well. But like it at the end of the day, it kind of chips away at all of our digital rights and stuff. Mm. Um, and we think of manipulative design patterns, right? Maybe it's maybe it's okay if you and I get, you know, dinged $3 a month from an app that we forgot that we like, mm. you know, accidentally sign up for but that can build up for someone who doesn't have you know a lot of money to be able to spend on that stuff and that's really predatory for them and so you know it it does hurt us all and, and it's something that like if you have uh younger siblings or if you have kids or whatnot like that's really worrisome for them because they're growing up in this really digitally um like online all the time kind of world and how does that shape the way that they see the world 
see their friends, see themselves, um, their own like self-esteem and everything. Like there's a lot of different avenues where tech can kind of seep into our lives. Um, whether that's for privacy, um, self-regard or just your general political and, and worldview. Right. So that's something that we have to think about, um, especially with a lot of these social media platforms, like they really do shape the way that we see everything around us. Um, and how does that feed into like echo chambers and, and just, you know, like polarization when it comes to a lot of different aspects. So yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. But what's, uh, what do you think personally about the social media, like Instagram, Facebook, TikTok and yeah. stuff like that? Do you think it's a good thing for like kids to use a little bit maybe too much or i mean mm. there's a lot of stuff good and bad stuff out there yeah. on social media what do you think about it that's one of the things so like i i grew up in the time when like we didn't really i didn't really have a lot of that stuff like until i was maybe in my teens mm. and then like my parents were like okay finally you can like use it um because mm. they also didn't let me use it for a while um and so I think I feel like growing up without that stuff was very simple for me because, you know, you're not as I can imagine if you were like eight, nine, ten on TikTok and stuff, yeah. seeing all these different things that are going on. It can be a lot of pressure, mm -hmm. perhaps. Mm -hmm. Um I I held off on getting TikTok for the longest time and then I finally got it and in, my god it's so addicting. So <laughs> I can attest I was I've been oh, addicted to it yeah. and I need to wing myself off and oh. same with like Twitter and Instagram like these things are so addicting. Um And like I am, I am the exhibit number a, exhibit A for like getting addicted to things like that. <laughs> so it's worked on me, uh -huh. and it's I can say like you know it. That's something that they have to. I hope like down the line we'll kind of look at these these tools and and see how we can kind of make them a bit more <laughs> contained when it comes to that. I think there are benefits of like you know these these platforms allow you to create communities and spaces for conversation too as well, and like you can learn so much about it. But I do wonder, like, down the line, like, 10, 10, 20 years, when they're going to start having, like, these longitudinal studies that are finished about, like, our psychological mm. um, states after we've been using these things. Like, what is that going to look like? How has that impacted? How have these tools impacted our our own minds mm. and, like, our own development? Like, I feel like my attention span has gotten shorter. I'm <laughs> like, yeah. seven second videos. <laughs> so it's yeah. like, yeah, I, I wonder. And that's what kind yeah. of, you know scares me a little bit um and it's like i you know if a kid was growing up with that kind of quick quick like you know instant gratification mm -hmm. um mindset like how does that shape them down the line um so yeah yeah me myself like i get a little you know like a little like belly ache when i see like this toddler sitting with a with an ipad yeah, like, like i can understand why but also i'm like yeah, no, no, yeah. the quickest way to get them to be quiet yeah probably yeah. not the best in the no, long run no 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 it's like, absolutely it's not. like you say as well like the time people spend looking at something just gets shorter and shorter yeah like, i remember youtube when it didn't have adverts and you'd watch the whole thing and now everyone yeah. just like scrolls scrubs through as fast as they can because yeah. they just want the nice part of the content yeah and not to appreciate the other stuff that might have took a lot of effort, right. but like, right. I mean, 
it's like no one cares they're they missing just, out they want the TikTok feed the never ending scroll <laughs> exactly. of instant gratification like exactly. you said exactly and how does that change like the way that we consume information right and it's like back then like maybe like someone would sit down and read a book and like just sit down for a couple hours like I struggle to do that sometimes now because I'm just like like I want to you know just inject it to me yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like an IV <laughs> like, I just... that's the future exactly it's like the matrix yeah right yeah, yeah. Yeah. That would be cool. <laughs> yeah. I would be so smart. So. Uh, um, but do you yourself have like a time limit from the screen uh, day by day? Or like you know, some days you don't, you go out in the forest and sit on a little stone and like <laughs> birds and rabbits or what? Or do you have a I secret need trick? To. My trick is just to take my dog outside. Yeah. Um, and that really helps. Um, but I do have these time limit things set on my iPhone and they don't work because I just I just say remind me tomorrow yeah, yeah. <laughs> not uh, now not now <laughs> I have a friend who was telling me that he actually set the time limit but then he also you can add a password to it and his sister apparently has a password so there's oh. no way that he can like unlock it if it like is to, um, so smart yeah I know and I'm like really I need funny. to do that but I feel like <laughs> knowing me I would like fly back to my sister and be like give me the best yeah I'm like ah! <laughs> <laughs> frustration <laughs> I think everyone needs those little little ways to get out of the right? digital world especially yeah. like like you say with meta and this whole oh my God. new thing coming up where everyone's going to be more and more online in this virtual yeah. reality yeah we all need to find ways yeah. for our mental health to get yeah. out and actually like be exactly. in nature and stuff. But I think exactly. this kind of comes into play with the whole instant gratification. People don't want to go outside because no. they don't need to. They can get what they want right. by sitting at home and watching TikTok or right. playing games and stuff like that. And the fatigue is real. It's like, you know, we're replacing hours that we spent just like not really doing much or just like just sitting around or chatting with friends. We're replacing that with like just constant, uh, constant mm -hmm. stimuli. And... Some of that stimuli is good, but then it really does kind of, I, I, I have a hunch that it really erodes at our own, like, just capacity to be, like, peaceful and mindful and just mm. chill. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I think it's important that we don't forget how to be humans, kind of like, yeah. right. like you say, like, go out in the nature, pick up a rock, yeah. lick a tree, I don't know, <laughs> you know, do something nature-wise. Because <laughs> otherwise, I mean, that I think that it's really dangerous for us because mm -hmm. we need to be grounded yeah you know right. so and the the, the interweb won't mm -hmm. help us with that it will of course give us like great feelings and all that but not exactly. for i mean mm. too many hours it's gonna like <laughs> i always think about this one like one thing which it, when i was a kid it was like when you used to go and knock on your friend's house and see mm. if they were in yeah right that just isn't a thing ever no. anymore mm. and i can't remember the last time when i've ever like just gone somewhere and like surprised someone no. because everything has to be arranged and everything's yeah. so structured. Oh, yeah. Not even a phone call. You can't yeah. even call your friends. You have to like yeah. text them first. Like, yeah. 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 And also remember once upon a time, everyone was on time where you were supposed to meet them. Mm. Like, <laughs> I, yeah, I'm going to be at Slussen at uh, 11. Okay. They take the bus. They don't come at half an hour late because they have, you know, been TikToking or whatever. They yeah. have like, then they were there at the time. And also, since we're talking about, you know, knocking on your friend's mm. door and like, can we play? Mm. What about this? I remember myself calling uh, a boy uh, when I was in high school and like I was so in love with him and like, you know, call him like, hi. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, no one will ever do that now, mm-hmm. right? Exactly. And he called back to my parents' house and like, yay, she and you like, like, like um, hi, you know. And, yeah. <laughs> Nowadays, it's like, oh my gosh, they yeah. looked at my Instagram yeah. story. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. True love. <laughs> but even, even that has gone into this instant gratification as well mm. with like dating apps and stuff like that who use yeah. these um, oh, yeah. dark patterns, you know. Yes. The instant gratification yeah, swipe, the never-ending exactly. swipe. It's, the uh, never-ending swipe and the gamification of it all. Mm-hmm. And you're just, and the thing is, like with these dating apps or with a lot of these products, it's like if you were actually in a relationship, they would not have money. So like, no. there's part of the aspect of them wanting to keep you as a single customer for a very long yeah, time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> so it just it's the business model and it's all of that that kind of spirals into mm-hmm. the world we have today. Yeah, yeah it's weird. The future is weird, the but future fun, is weird. I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think it's really interesting as well. You know, with like gamification yeah. and stuff like yeah. that. How it's like there's a lot of psychology behind it as well yes. because it's not just oh I'm just gonna hide the button I'm also gonna give people little rewards when they do yep. things mm-hmm. and how that can engage people oh my um, gosh I recently read hacking growth and in that one they talk about like LinkedIn as an example mm-hmm. and how they put this like progress bar and when you finish it and you finish your profile you're a champion an all-star and it may, exactly yeah. it makes you feel amazing yeah you know? no it oh. doesn't <laughs> well, on paper it yeah, yeah, yeah it looks good though yeah exactly I'm currently trying to learn like Swedish and I'm using Duolingo oh and okay that app the amount of gamification in the app and the mm-hmm. amount of really passive aggressive reminders from the owl mm-hmm. of when I haven't done my lesson <laughs> for the day <laughs> yeah 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 I, I have used to Duolingo uh, myself uh, for a short while. I was yeah. trying to remembering French, German, and oh. some Danish just for the fun of it. But you know, yeah. I don't have it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it doesn't necessarily work for everyone, you know, because I remember no. when I was first going to come to Sweden, I tried to learn through Duolingo. Yeah. But like, like you said, these messages all the time, you haven't done your mm-hmm. daily task. And yeah. then I kind of got scared away. Yeah. I was like, stop telling me what to do. You know, yeah, this is my time. Exactly. Let me learn on my exactly. own pace. Exactly. I, I kind of felt that when I was wearing my Apple watch and they'd be like, you haven't stood in like two hours. Mm. And the like, subtext was like, you lazy person. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I'm not going to stand. I'm going to lie down. <laughs> Take the watch off. <laughs> What are you doing? Protesting my watch or something? Yeah. Yeah. It's like the the notifications on the watch as well. It's like, um, I actually turned, I've got a smartwatch and I turned off the notifications because it stops me from focusing otherwise. Yeah, exactly. So I like every time you get a text or a Slack message, it's like everything comes up and it vibrates Mm. and it just gets your attention straight away. Mm -hmm. It's funny because their pitch was like, oh, if you have one of these watches, you'll be more like off off your phone and stuff but it's like you're still getting bombarded with the same notifications and it's just a little bit more distracting because it's on your wrist oh, and exactly. so <laughs> yeah but for me i would say uh, that i am less on my phone now since i have the watch really? of, ca- of course i have this notification sometimes yeah. like my husband calls or whatever yeah. and i'm like you know i'm busy i check it later yeah. and i can see email notifications but i you know i just feel I, and i don't bother but if it was my okay. phone i would definitely go to the screen because this is like i can't i mean can't read really on it so yeah. for me it's better and also not to have to if you want to know the time put up your phone and like oh what's happening on instagram now it's like yes it's 11 perfect <laughs> done <laughs> so it's like the analog with a digital yeah, yeah i know it's, it's, funny. it's so crazy i know <laughs> 
but yeah uh what would you say like have you got anything cool going on right now any new projects so right now yeah. I am in the midst of preparing a couple uh lectures and stuff that I have upcoming as well as some talks so I'll be at um from business to buttons mm-hmm. in Stockholm in May um as well as some other conferences coming up and so just kind of getting that all wrapped up um I'm also I'm in school right now so <laughs> I have an essay due in a couple oh my, oh my. weeks and I am <laughs> going through my second mental breakdown <laughs> this month <laughs> there <laughs> yeah but no it's <laughs> But I'm just like, how do I type words? Um, but that is what I'm working on right now. <laughs> it was like you said something before about like um, not having read a book in a while. Yeah. And I found that quite interesting because I realized recently that my spelling has got so much worse because of autocorrect. Yeah. I don't, I don't have to know how to spell a word anymore. Oh I just type the first gosh. three letters yeah. and then it's, it's there. Exactly. Mm. Auto, like spelling is one of these things. Mental mm. math, another one of these things. Yeah. yeah. Directions. Like I don't, I can't get anywhere without Google Maps. Like, <laughs> yeah. I think it's hard to read the Google Maps. I always go to the wrong direction. Right. Like fourth. No, okay. Wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's just me. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Okay. I don't know whether there's much more to say. You've been great. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Thank this you so, so much fun. for uh, coming and joining us at yeah. Hyper Talks today. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. It's nice to have you back and like, you're always welcome here, of course. So good to be back. Hopefully uh, you'll be doing more lectures as well. Thank you. Yeah, I would love thank to you join one of those. Mm. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that'd be, be hilarious. That'd be so fun. Yeah. Mm. I'm like, <laughs> like oh, that's, that's a short again. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Maybe I can pop by uh, during the lecture in May if it's for yeah, normal definitely. people. It to, is for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah okay. Definitely. Perfect. Perfect. Mm. I will check it out. Thank you. Maybe both. you can tell us a bit more about that. Yeah. Mm. So it's in May. I'm doing a workshop on the 12th and then the keynotes on the 13th. And it's a really cool conference of, uh, for design. Mm. And so they're bringing in a lot of different design folks. Um, and it's in Stockholm. Nice. So yeah, check it out. Perfect. That we will. Maybe we can share a link or so. Thank you very much. Thank you, Kat. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with your friends. Hopefully we'll have another one up ASAP. Bye-bye.